listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle as usual. I don't know who else it would be, really, since it's just me who does this. And today I'm talking to Lauren and Cody Bolden, who come from Woodstock, Georgia, and they own two businesses, actually. One is called The Pie Bar, and the other one is called Pie Provisions. And I'm really excited to be having this chat to them for about a thousand and one reasons. But the main reason is because they don't make cake. (laughs) And I feel like they have much more redeeming qualities than just that, but I really wanted this season to talk to people who were doing things other than cake. But the other reason I want to chat to them is because they work together and I feel like any couple who works together and survives that deserves some sort of, I don't know, gold star or at the very least a podcast interview. And I'm impressed at the fact that they've branched out to other products. They have unbelievable social media presence. They do some cool stuff on YouTube. They're like just all around cool people. So welcome to the podcast, Lauren and Cody. Yay. Thank thank you. you. It's good to be here. So I'm going to give the brief history of your businesses that I read online, but then I want you guys to tell me the truth. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what I know. I know that the Pie Bar is located on Main Street in Woodstock, Georgia, and I know Mm -hmm. that it's been open for the last two years and anybody can walk in and eat fresh pie, which Mm -hmm. sounds delicious. And you have six flavors each day. And yesterday, I will admit that I drooled over the menu. And I was like, ooh, that sounds really good. I wouldn't know. I'd have to order like a slice of each, I feel. We do that. Oh, really? That's an option? Yeah, yes, we have a sampler is. pie. Oh, my God. Nobody told... All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> booking, booking flights to Georgia, like, immediately. So that is open every day, and people can come in and eat pie to their heart's content. But then they also noticed, as a lot of us do, when you're really capable at something, all of a sudden, everybody wants to know how you did it, right? Mm-hmm. So Lauren and Cody noticed that lots of people were asking them all about how to make pie crust, which I think it's like one of those secrets that gets handed down from grandmothers, right? It's like everybody wants to know what's your secret. Is it cold hands? Is it cold butter? Is it whatever? So they created pie provisions, which is intended to help home bakers. And the first product they came out with was actually pie crust mix using the same ingredients and the recipe from the shop, which is amazing. And you can now get that mix online at pie provisions, but it's also stocked in six of their local targets at the fresh maker market and at various other outlets in the area. And they've expanded that range, actually, not only to be the pie mix, but you can also get like various tools and all sorts of stuff. I'm going to put all your social media accounts and links and whatever in the show notes of this episode, but I highly recommend that you guys go and look at their website. They have this thing called Tips of the Trade. It's kind of like a blog and it has amazingly useful and really fun to read. I guess you'd call it a blog with tips and tricks on pie making. And then there's the YouTube videos on how to do it. Seriously, I am now a pie expert. (laughs) <laughs> well, mind you, I haven't actually tried it. I'm just a pie expert in my mind. <laughs> okay. right. That's half the battle. You know all the tips. Thanks. So in addition to running Pie Bar and Pie Provisions, these guys go around the country doing demos of their pie mix, and they, they sell their mixes at various events across the country. This is a lot that you guys are doing. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> okay, so that's all the official stuff. Now everybody knows that you're rock stars. Now I want to know the truth. So uh, tell me the story behind the story that I just told. How did you get here? 
Yeah, well, I think you made us sound a lot better than we're going to make ourselves <laughs> No, sound. I think it's all true. So we're going to go ahead and close this interview. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that where it really all started was after college, Cody and I got traditional jobs. And during those jobs, we were those people, I think a lot of people are, sitting at our desk saying this isn't necessarily the life for us, but we don't know what to do about it. And so one of my hobbies at the time was baking. And by one of my hobbies at the time, what I mean is I had so many hobbies that Cody finally Lots was like. Lots of hobbies. Lots <laughs> he, of hobbies. He finally was like, you need to sit down and pick one. You're driving me crazy. And so I said, I guess I'll pick pie because that's what I like right now. <laughs> and so that sealed our fate. And so now, you know, we sell pie for a living. We started selling it at farmers markets. And I mean, anyone who would take us, we were selling it at like antique stores. We were selling it like in parking lots, just anywhere anyone would let us sit at the table. Yeah, <laughs> it was literally, it was, the name was the junk market. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it, we were selling the pie at ju- the junk market. The junk Sunday. market. Wow, you guys are high class. Yeah. We were there. We were uh, selling pie. Twice a month on Sundays, I think they did. We were, the first farmer's market we got in, they said, yeah, that's fine. You can go set up by the chickens. And we're like, <laughs> perfect. We'll be there. Oh, my gosh. So just selling at lots and lots of markets. And finally it got to the point where we kind of sat down and said, we're either going to have to quit our jobs or quit making pie. And we didn't love our jobs. And so we figured pie should win. So we decided to quit our jobs and open a pie shop. Yeah, we kind of hit a a point in our life really where everyone was talking about. I mean, everybody, at least our age and our peers kind of hit that point where they were in their jobs and they weren't completely satisfied. But, you know, everybody was just kind of talking about it. Realistically, we were like, we should either move to Alaska or pick something. And we were really close to moving to Alaska. At least we thought we were. Yeah. So, and Warren started baking pie and we started doing the markets and it it got to the point where we were doing so many markets and events where we would work 40 hours at work and then we would do stuff for pie on Friday night and events on Friday nights. And then we would do two on Saturday and one on Sunday. And we'd probably put in another 30 or 40 hours through the weekend and then went back to work on Monday. Now, Michelle, make sure that math adds up. Yeah, I'm like, make sure that math yeah. adds up so we sound really good. <laughs> so, you know, like 150 hours on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> you know what? It probably felt like 150 hours, yeah. right? For yeah. sure. Uh, like, I need to know what were the businesses that didn't happen? What were the other hobbies? Oh my gosh, so many. I think I wanted like a clothing line. I had like a fake clothing line. <laughs> like an a, events coordinator. Oh company. yeah, I forgot about that one. I like planned my brother's wedding yeah. rehearsal. One rehearsal and, there, and, I was, like, and that was it. it. I hate this <laughs> never again. The irony is, and I had, I guess, hobbies too, but nothing serious. The irony is now Lauren has one hobby and that's baking pie and I have lots of hobbies. So she got whittled down to one, just one hobby. She did what she was set out to do. Yeah, it worked out because I'm not very fashionable. So the clothing line would not have lasted. And it turns out I don't do so well with events. So glad we moved on to pie. So you had a bunch of like rubbish hobbies is what you're telling me. Like not working. So the market thing, I find this hilarious. I find this hilarious, by the way, the whole like junk market thing, because one of the things I say about marketing is like be in like associate yourself or your brand or whatever with the kind of place like, don't go to junk market. You don't want to be seen to be junk. But I guess that worked for you guys. Anytime the, well, anyone would say yes. The we flip side of that coin is it was all junk markets and we were the only people selling food there. 
So it's right. also su- supply and demand. There's also economics principles. So. They need some pie. Yeah. No. You guys are amazing. Like, you know what? You have to do what you have to do, right? The point was to get it out there. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so when we first got started too, our farmers markets around here have gotten really strict. So they were requiring us to have like a cottage food license or some sort of license where we had to cook it in a kitchen that was certified. And at the mm-hmm. time we just weren't, we didn't we even think that, that was a, a thing that we had to even consider. So, so yeah. we set up at the chicken market. Yeah. So we <laughs> right. set up at the chicken market and the junk market. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. You know what? People need to eat, even junkers, right? Exactly. So, exactly. So you're doing this market thing. You decide to quit your jobs. Why didn't you just keep doing the markets? Like what made you go, yeah, oh. we want a store now? Have you ever done a market? Yeah, I have. And they're hell on earth. Yeah. They're horrible. I, I knew the answer to that question before oh. I asked it. They're, they're really terrible. horrible. You have to load in. You got to be on for like, you know, the hours while the markets are there and they're outside. And then uh, you got to load out. Let's talk about the other vendors for a second. <laughs> no. Holy smokes. No, we're not going to talk about the other vendors. <laughs> they're terrible. Those, I have those a- chicken sellers are real mean, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The no, dirty no. old man jokes oh, at these yeah. markets. No, oh, markets are, they're a great place to test something out. They're not a huge investment most of the time. Some of them can get kind of expensive. But overall, they're a great opportunity to try something. But for me, I didn't feel like it had longevity. I didn't want to. I think we knew it was a stepping stone. Yeah. And also, it's it's a great way to test a product out. But it was good for us to like hone what we were actually trying to sell. It, it gave us the opportunity to practice selling to people and figure out, you know, what people like, what people didn't like, what people like when we said this or what people didn't like when we said that or how right. we displayed it. I mean, it kind of really, it was just like a trial and it, by fire type thing. And it really gave us the opportunity because we did so many of them and we did so many in several different cities around where we live. We were able to figure out who were our people, like yeah. what, where does our customer live? And so when it came time, when it came time to write our business plan and it came time to open our store. Yeah. I mean, we did studies on population and revenues and growth, but ultimately, even though Woodstock, even though those signs pointed to Woodstock, that's where our customer base was. And that's what we found through the market. So that's kind of, that's how we ended up here. That's how we ended up settling on this place. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, really interesting that you guys say that because people ask me about markets all the time. And I say exactly that. Do it for like six months and just find out, find your people. You get immediate, you know, feedback on flavors, what people like to Mm -hmm. buy, what they don't like to buy. People talk to you about price. People talk to you about all kinds of things, you know, they love to give their opinion, which is in, in that stage of your business is really, really valuable because it's given you an opportunity to hear what people actually want to spend their money on. It is definitely trial by fire as well. I often tell people like, if you want to test your nettle and see if you're going to survive this business, try a farmer's market for six months. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, well, because I mean, then the weather's terrible and you end up yes. with a stock you don't know what to do with or the weather's good and you sell out in five minutes and you're kicking yourself for not making twice as much. And, you know, stuff yeah. just that happens. Stuff yeah, happens, I mean, right? because we had the great stuff where it was it sold in five minutes and then we were also in some other towns where it just didn't sell well. And, it, and, and it's we were sitting able- on the table melting in yeah. front of you and you got to yeah. figure out, well, how am I going to make this a productive day? Yeah. And so it gave us, a, you know, before we even opened our store, an opportunity to really sit down and think creatively. If we're in this situation, then how should we react? Mm-hmm. 
So you got tired of carting stuff around. I don't blame you. <laughs> no, markets are, people really don't get how, no. it's just physically, let alone the emotion, right? But physically, mm-hmm. it's incredibly demanding. Incredible, like, oh my God, the packing up, the packing down, the standing there in the heat all day, blah, blah. It's just not fun. But like you said, it was useful, right? So you decide, yep, yeah, we're over the market thing. Time to find a store. And so you yes. started looking around. I mean, was that always the plan? Like, was the plan actually better question did you have a plan like did you go yep we're gonna do the markets then we're gonna open a store like has this been planned or is it just like a bunch of yeah let's do that so initially lauren started selling at farmers markets and when it got a little more demanding i kind of stepped in and started going with her and helping her and then then even then there was no plan we just started doing more of it and one and then we finally decided like we're gonna try and take this to the next level and we just started looking for buildings. So there was a big time overlap. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to stop doing markets now. And then two months from now, we'll open a space. We just started, when we knew it's what we wanted to do, we started looking for buildings right away as we were still doing the farmer's markets. And then, yeah, and eventually we went and sat down. We had to put a plan together when we finally said, this is what we're going to do because we had to get a loan. Well, yeah. and I think we were, I think our naivete or us being naive really helped us out because we were like, yeah, we'll open a store. So I'm going to go quit my job. Yeah. I'm going to go do all this stuff before we even had our space open. <laughs> and you know so, what? I, on ignorance is bliss, right? It yes. really is. If I look back at it now, I'd be like, well, you're definitely an idiot. <laughs> you should not have been successful. And I guess only time will tell. There's still time well, and we had it. such tunnel vision too. And I think everybody does. But, you know, we say the same things to people now that people were saying to us then. But it really didn't matter. You know, I remember we were doing an event and we had a, we always ended up next to this barbecue restaurant at these events. They had a trailer there and the owner was always there and he would say, it's going to be two years before you can take a vacation. And we were just like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, (laughs) he was certainly right. Plus some, I mean, it's just those things that at the time, it doesn't really even matter what people say, even though it's a valid person with a valid opinion. You just kind of have your own mindset. So we were probably naive and ignorant all in one. Completely went into it and then lucked out. We were able to, the space we're in used to be a scuba shop, but we are completely landlocked. So it was (laughs) very That is not a very common thing around here. Poor business decision on that person's part. (laughs) It was beneficial. Well, funny thing, he was outgrowing the space. That's how we ended up in it. (laughs) He was was what? Sorry? He outgrew the space. Yeah, he he was was growing. Are you serious? Isn't that funny? Yeah, he outgrew the space. He moved down the block to like a a building three times the size of this one. And well, so we were actually looking at a different space because we had a different model to start with. We thought we would be more of like a catering company while we figured things out. And really the first plan was Lauren was just going to work there. And then eventually I would kind of phase out of where I was working and start. But we were calling about a different space. And the guy is also a commercial broker, but his scuba shop was on Main Street. And he had outgrew the space. So he said, well, hey, I, if y'all want to take over my lease, I need a bigger space as it is. It's just kind of those things were fell into place because, you know, we understand that being on Main Street is a huge, huge factor to our success and being able to have this, the retail business in this area. Yeah. So I guess the plan was find a space. We found one. Turned out it was retail. So it was like write a business plan for a retail space yeah. and then, you know, get going. Open, well, open your doors. You, you know, sometimes you just have to pivot, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. No choice. You, you head out in one direction, then something happens and you head out in another. I was thinking what you guys were saying about the people warning you about, you know, no vacation and stuff. 
I have to say, I think if you're, the, and maybe I'm being harsh here, but if you're the kind of person who hears that advice and that makes you stop, you're not cut out for this. Yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely tough. I think if you're the kind of person that stops and listens to advice in the situation of I'm starting a business and you're stopping to listen to advice, then you're not completely committed. Yeah, you're not like moving you're, fast you're, No, you're, like you we were at a point and, and I feel that. like a lot of people that are opening businesses and moving forward are the people that are just like, I'm going to do this. I don't care what you say. So I'm not even listening to what anybody else has yeah. to say. About and, it. and that could for be better, good or bad. You no, know, for better or for worse, yeah. you know, but you just got to have, you know, an iron stomach and we didn't care. I didn't care what anybody said. Yeah. yeah I tend to say like, listen politely because we don't want to be rude, yes. but then just do your own thing. <laughs> right. That tends to be my, but I feel like if anybody's advice would stop you in your tracks, that's, like that's the thing for me not that you heard it but that you heard it and let that inform your future right in a negative way you know like come on really okay so you're not going to be on vacation for two years nobody goes into business to be on vacation and (laughs) you know like last i checked that what kind of wasn't why i was doing this you know so it's right just yesterday i reported a podcast episode about the worst advice anybody has ever given me and i actually because because last year i did one about the best advice anybody's ever given Mm -hmm. me and you know what? I really struggled to come up with what to talk about because I thought anytime anybody gave me advice, I made my own decisions. Whether it was good or bad is actually on me. Right, right. You know, whether I took it or not was on me, not on the quality of what they told me. It was whether or not I didn't. And in fact, the worst advice I ever got was myself not listening to my gut, I think. Mm-hmm. That was probably the worst thing. I think I've gotten a little bit, kind of, Cody's like, no, you haven't. But I feel like I've gotten a little bit better. A lot of times, especially when we first opened, again, just kind of like barreling through. I wouldn't listen to what anybody has to say. And again, for good and for bad. But now I've been able to take a step back a little bit and kind of like what you said. So thank you for giving me that advice and then digesting it a little bit. And if it is something of value, then acknowledging that and moving forward. Or if it's not something that's right for me, you know, moving on and, you know, kind of doing what I feel like is the correct move. And and I'll add to that too. So we didn't, we didn't come from a food background. Lauren worked at an Outback Steakhouse in high school as a hostess (laughs) for like six months. I just ate a lot of food. And that was it. Other than that, we have eaten at restaurants, but like we had no experience on that. So, you know, we were getting a lot of opinions, but we kind of had to just figure it out for ourselves. And we went into the business knowing that we, you know, that the way we did it day one was not the way we'd still be running the business two years. So we always you know, you talk about pivoting. We were constantly had the mindset of pivoting because we did not have a set plan in place. You know what? I think that's kind of the, what's that expression? Something like uh, man plans and God laughs or whatever. I feel like nowhere is nowhere is that more true than in small business, right? Is it tell God your plan and he will laugh or no? Yes. Yes. Okay. Something to that effect. But the, 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 the point is, you know, really we're all just faking it and hoping right. yeah. it comes out all right in the end. So you're running the pie business, you're selling lots of pies, it's all going well. And so tell me how the whole pie provisions came about. Yeah. I I have like a lot of questions about this. Yeah, Yeah. it's been fun. So owning a retail pie shop is hard work. It was something for the first year was every day was survival. It was literally busting our ass to get in on time, to make the pies, to get them out for the customers, to, you know, finish prep work all day, to get out at a reasonable hour, which rarely happened, and then do it all over again seven days a week. And so it literally came about from me just looking at Cody and saying like, 
I'm tired. <laughs> and so us sitting down and saying, well, what do we know? And what are our customers looking for? And a big thing that came up a lot was they would come in and ask us, well, how do you make pie? Can you do classes? And at the time, that wasn't an option. We weren't able to do classes. And so we decided to create a company that would help people bake pie at home with that first product being what most people come into our store and ask about, which is the pie crust. And I'll add to that too. So that was what, you know, year one, we didn't have an opportunity to even think about what else there would be. And we never went into pie bar thinking like, we're going to grow this into a bunch of stores and here's our 10 year plan. We still don't have a 10 year plan, but it, going into the second year, we started trying to find out, okay, we've done this for a year and, and we've seen what it's doing and how much work it takes. What is something we enjoy and how can we take the knowledge we've gained and apply that to something else and apply it to what we're enjoying? So part of that was, you know, a shelf stable product and having something that we can ship. We don't ship any of our pies. So it was how do we kind of build a company around things that we enjoy doing, but also something that we or class or certified in, or, you know, have some sort of a background of a knowledge in that we've accrued. So that's kind of where it was born. And so hence the mix arrived, but here's my question. I was reading that it's the same ingredients and the same recipe that you use in the shop. Yes. And on the, on the one hand, I think that's really cool because when you go to, I think about times I've gone to restaurants and they have, you know, their signature barbecue sauce or their signature cornbread or whatever, you know, but here's my question. I'm imagining that there's not a lot of pie shops where you are. Mm-hmm. So did you ever have a moment where you're like, maybe we shouldn't give away our secret sauce? I think that's come up a couple of times. A lot of people have asked us that. And I always say, like, if somebody wants to open a pie shop, approach me first, because I'd be happy to talk to you about <laughs> pie bar. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be happy to sell you a pie bar, and then I'll just give you all the recipes. But no, I think making pie crust is... It's just so special. It really is. It's, you know, you've got to have the right ingredients. You got to have the right tools. And so we provide that. But a big part of making pie crust is your personal technique. And Mm -hmm. so in each of our boxes, we spend a lot of time. We put together a little booklet. And so every box comes with a booklet that I wrote that is going to talk you through every single step to help teach people that technique. And it never hurts my feelings if people come in and say they made a pie. It actually makes me so happy because it means they also share that love of, of something I care about, which is pie. And we've really found, to be completely honest with you, the majority of our pie crust mixed sales come from current pie bar customers and that they're not buying it and never using it and they're not buying it and only using it. We found that they're buying it and shipping it to their family and friends who have heard about our shop or they're buying it and making a pie, but then they still come to our shop later in the week. So I've never been necessarily afraid of giving away, you know, the the recipe or the secret sauce. I'm kind of an open book on that and we share a lot of that information with our customers. And I'll say too, it, it's never been a competing brand. Pie Provision and Pie Bar aren't necessarily competing brands because although it is the same customer here, it's a different customer that wants to make it versus wants to buy it already made a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes that's exactly as you were saying, it's sometimes that's the same person, right? We don't always have the time to make it ourselves, but sometimes we want to, you know? I mean, I'm like that. I buy cake mm-hmm. sometimes. I make it sometimes, you know? It just sort of depends right. on 
what else I've got going on, what I need it for. You know, it is the same person sometimes. And that's probably, that's probably the best thing you've got going, right? Is that you can reach them at either end of that spectrum, whether they have the time to do it or they don't have the time to do it. You can fill that gap. Right. Well, and we figured out we, or for us, we were like, you know, we want to, when people think of pie, we want them to think of pie bar and pie provisions. And so if they want to make a pie, great, we have something for that. If they want to buy a pie, fantastic, we can sell you one. If you want to learn about about pie, great, go to our website. Here's a bunch of tips. If you want to learn about pie hands-on, we offer classes now in our store. So anything to do with pie, we want to really cover up and have every single basis covered with pie so that we're not competing with anyone because we're the people that come to mind. I totally want to say, sorry, Cody, I totally want to say that you guys cornered the pie market, but pies are right and they have no corners. (laughs) (laughs) got all the crimps covered. Yeah, right. It just, I'm like, I can't say that because there are no corners. (laughs) Anyway, carry on. Well, well, one of the things that we really have done in our shop is tried to create a inviting atmosphere because that's a lot of times people associate nostalgia with pie. So when it came to pie provisions, that's how we tried to do that was create a brand, even though people aren't walking into our shop and we can't physically create that atmosphere is how do we create that around a brand? Because that's what we found throughout this whole process is a lot of the, the times we've enjoyed the most are making the pie itself, whether it's with our staff or whether it was just me and Lauren when we were first getting started. And that's what we found, you know, people kind of relate that to. Eating pie is cool. I enjoy eating pie. I ate pie right before this interview. Uh, eat right I eat pie literally every day, but making pie is really special, whether it's for somebody you love or if it's for yourself or if it's for somebody you hate because you want to smash it in their face. Either way, making a pie, I mean, it takes time. It takes intention and purpose to make a pie. And I think that it's a really, really special thing. So we're just excited to, to be able to talk I, about pie with folks. As somebody who looks at businesses all day long, I wish I ate what people sell all day long, <laughs> but I don't. I have to say, I think you guys have actually really achieved that. Like when I looked at the website and I looked at all the social media accounts and I looked at like all the things, I was like, I'm totally, these are my people. I don't even know you. I'm like, these are my people. You just seem, I actually, I honestly think you've achieved the, the goal, which was to make it seem homely and welcoming and loving. And it's, Every photo I looked at you got of just everything. I was like, oh my God, it's the most consistent message I think I've seen in a long time of any business actually. It really has this like, these people are just gorgeous and they clearly love what they do, right? (laughs) It really has that vibe. (laughs) Right. This is probably a very obvious question, but so you started the whole, we need another product because I'm just tired thing, but I feel like creating a new product (laughs) creates more work. So I don't really know how that worked for you. It was in in the you know hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> oh, like I'm listening to you going. This doesn't sound like less work. It sounds like I think more. when we first started, we thought this would be a great opportunity for us to and to be really honest and frank with you, it was this is a great opportunity for us to no longer have pie bar. We'll move on to this. It'll be great. And over the past year plus, we've really found that pie bar has been stronger with pie provisions and pie provisions is stronger with pie bar. Mm. And so that's not to say, you know, 
years down the line, we may not have one of them or we may not have both of them or we could have both of them. But at this current moment, both of them really... We found a way from to feed off of each they other. They do in, and, a, in a positive way. Yeah. We struggled in the beginning having two businesses and trying to keep them separated as two businesses where really all along we should have been using them together which it hurts too because it splits our time. It feels like we have to be putting time towards this business or that business. So that's something I think we've gotten a lot better about in the last couple months and doing those videos and trying to, with the tips of the trade and a way to use both brands to promote both brands. And I think when we first started in our minds, we thought these have to be completely separate. No <laughs> one can know we're the same people. And now we're kind of like, this is cool. People should know that we have both of them because we want to share pie with them. So it's really been pie provisions has grown because of pie bar and vice versa, which is fun to watch. And you talk about, so it doesn't take, I get excited about new brands and new things and the opportunity to, to grow a business. I get very excited in the beginning stages. So anything Lauren throws out like that, (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of what happened. I mean, it doesn't take much. It was just like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So So to answer your question, Cody's Cody's hobby is taking your ideas and running them. (laughs) You know, listen, if it's her idea, the later on down the road, it was not my idea. Oh, <laughs> so <lot> right. <laughs> well, it's a lot easier to convince her when it's her idea versus when it's my idea. I found that as well. <laughs> I think about a year into Pie Bar, we realized that I owned 100% of Pie Bar, and he was like, we need to sit down and talk about this. Because <laughs> <laughs> she set up all the initial paperwork. So, so uh, now I think we're 50-50, unless she did some smooth uh, operating. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, don't read the fine print, honey. <laughs> all right. Well, no, that actually brings me to the next thing I want to know is how can you stand each other? <laughs> I my parents worked together in, in yeah. a small business and I grew up thinking to myself never in a million years will I work with my partner and I have stuck to that in fact he used to deliver cake for me on occasion but other than that I couldn't I couldn't deal and yet I have loads of friends in this industry and in other industries who their big dream is to work together I can think of nothing worse so I just want to know how you guys have managed it well, here's the truth. Here's Cody's the tr- a great employee. Yeah. Right. Here's the truth. We argued before this interview, and we're probably going to argue after this interview. I had to cover somebody's lunch break up front today. and I, So when we first opened, I did the front of house for like oh, nine or ten months. Details here. And I was responsible for everything up there. And since then, we've hired people, and I don't have to work up there much. Today, <laughs> about two hours before this interview, I had to work up front, and Lauren was getting on to me and said I was doing a shit job. <laughs> So we were arguing about that, and like I know that I was doing a shit job because I invented the job up there. But that the truth of it is that. But you know, I think too, it's forced us working together to get over the little stuff like that and not mm. let it drag on. We're very honest with each other, and we're very open. So if something's bothering me, he's gonna know about it, and I think vice versa. Yeah. And like you said, we argue about it and we move on. I am. We're kind of the people that'll like yell at each other and say like all right what do you want for lunch (laughs) and then we go to lunch together and we're fine but you're not upset that she yelled at you you're upset that you got caught doing a poor job (laughs) (laughs) i know here i was upset i was upset that she treated me like i had not done that job before when i invented that job and so she also was not doing a great job but anyway we're over it now thanks for that back up. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Send me the therapist bill later. It's okay. Yeah, we're, we're already over it again. We don't argue in front of customers. We don't argue in front of staff. We have like a, a sad little 
you know, a restaurant office, a very, very sad little office that doesn't even have a real door. It's got like a fake sliding door on it. (laughs) So you have to whisper argue. And so I think if you were anywhere near the door, you could just hear us like whisper arguing back and forth. (laughs) And then, you know, somebody will loudly like hit the desk and then it's it. (laughs) Then we move on. I feel like whisper arguing takes all the wind out of your sails. Like if you're going like, I really hate you. It's like, it's not effective. No. I'm never satisfied after a whisper argument. No? Well, maybe because your points aren't valid. No. Oh my gosh. She just roasted you. Like I That's how it goes. That's how it goes. I'm not, I'm not very good at arguing. No, but it's, it's been really good. I think it's honestly, I think it, in the very beginning, my mom, kind of took me aside and was like, I'm a little concerned. Like, this isn't necessarily a great thing to do with your marriage because y'all have only been married like a year and a half at the time. Should you really be starting a business together? And that first year, probably not like realistically, but now a couple years into the business and a few more years into our marriage, I think it's made us a lot stronger because we're a lot more effective at communicating. Yeah. We're able to say what's on our mind. We're able to talk it out and then kind of move forward. Well, and yeah, secondly, we've been forced into it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have to. Well, and secondly too, and it's something we take for granted a lot, but you know, we do get to spend a lot of time together now, which a lot of people don't get to do that, you know, and it, I think you take it for granted and at some point we'll look back and, be happy about it just for now we have to deal with each other (laughs) (laughs) so this is pretty early days for you guys i mean you know pie bar's only been open two years i would not expect that you're making a fortune yet it's too early really and then provision's only been around what like about six months a year six months officially Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah is it going in the right direction i think so Yeah, i think so we were also naive getting into that expecting to for big box retailers to immediately put us on the shelf. So, you know, when we got into pie bar, we didn't have any food background, but we were, we could immediately see revenue right away because we had pies and people were buying pies and they were paying for their pies right then. So it was an immediate transaction. Whereas for retailers and larger and big box stores like that, it could be a year before you actually get your product on a shelf after you've been approved to go in. So that learning curve is something was expensive. (laughs) Yeah. So we were fortunate to get into some of the stores, but now we're going through that process where we've actually submitted our product for review. So it may be this fall before it's on a shelf, whereas we expected, or at least had a history of immediately just getting stuff out there. So that's kind of what we expected. Mm. But yeah, it's definitely on the right track. It's just such a different experience. With Pie Bar, we were able to interact with every customer. We were able to say, this is our standard. This is the customer service you're going to receive. You come in here, we're going to remember your name. We're going to remember you had a test on Tuesday. Whereas you walk into a big box retailer and you don't know who we are, you know? And so it's it's hard to convince, like it's hard to convince people to buy things if they don't know anything about you or your product when you're one of thousands of products on sure, a shelf. That they've seen for years, you know, and, and I think that's the thing too, as a retail shop like Pie Bar, you don't have to go into it with a ton of money and you can compete with somebody right next to you that may be a McDonald's or a Burger King that people know by name, but you can compete with them. Whereas when you're a brand on a shelf, we don't have a voice. The only yeah. voice we have is whatever's on the box. Sure. And hope that people stop and look at or it. Or willing to take a risk on something new that they don't really, yeah. that they're not familiar with yet. That was, getting into retail has been, like I said, you know, an expensive learning curve. It's one of those things we thought 
we'll just go and tell them our idea and they'll say like, this is cool. Let's put it on the shelves. But instead they'd say like, please don't call me anymore. (laughs) And then when they finally would take a meeting with us, it would be, well, where's your product? And I'd say, Oh, okay, let me go get the product. And then the people that make the product say like, well, great, you're going to need to make 8,000 of these. And so then you got to go and get money to make those 8,000. And then you make the 8,000 and you go back to the store and say, look, here's my product. And they say, get in line. And you that, know, well, that's, that was just it. You know, it was a, it was such a new brand and such a new product. We couldn't pitch it and just show them a picture because they just laugh you out of there, but we couldn't have a product without having a, a ridiculous amount run. of products. Yeah. So anyway, we have, <laughs> we are getting the hang of it. We're figuring it out. <laughs> I de- it's definitely going in the right direction. Uh, it's a slower roll than, than we would have hoped, but that's just the way of the, the business. Yeah. But yeah, the benefit- that, whole, that whole retail thing, right? It's like chicken and egg, right? It yeah, is. It is. Yeah. It really is. And I, I think, you know, we're going into this second season a lot smarter. We've got more contacts this time. Luckily, our product does have a pretty substantial shelf life. So we're not losing everything all at once. It's like who's going to say no to like right. samples? Yay. We yeah. brought lots of pie all the time. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a company here in Australia called Carmen's Muesli. Muesli, I don't know if you guys use that word in America. It's like yeah. granola. granola basically. Okay. Anyway, so she, similar to you guys, you know, started out just making it, whatever. And she told two stories about going into retail, which is sort of reminding me about this, which is that she got into a supermarket. Mm-hmm. And I think like you guys, she got into like five or six local stores or whatever. And so she would drive around to those local stores and buy her own product. <laughs> and like stick it in the back of her car or whatever, because she wanted to show that it was actually yeah. selling. And it's like, she knew if she could get it off the shelf. So she literally would just drive around from store to store and just buy back her own product with the same Mm -hmm. amount of money that they'd given her to put it on that shelf in the first place. And then her mom used to like go into supermarkets and like stand in that aisle and like, you know, she was an older lady. So she'd stand there and she would just talk to like random people. Like, I love this Carmen's muesli. It's so good. Have you tried it? Like, you know, and did this whole like thing. Cause you know, the retail thing is a bit of a game, right? It is. You have well, to invest to get into it. And then you have to work freaking hard to stay in it. You know, I'm not going to say we haven't done that. Yeah. I mean, yeah I'm sure we get, we've been able to do sampling. So Target's been really great about it. Fresh Market's been really great about it. And a lot of our little local boutiques that we're a part of here, they've started letting us come in and do it as well, where we set up and we give out free samples of the pie made with our crust mix. And so that's been really interesting because you're getting an opportunity to let people try your product. And so we obviously make our most sales on those days. So we show the store, these things can be moved. People are buying them. We've just got to educate them. We just have to tell them about it. And we, <laughs> Cody got a giant poster of our faces blown up. And so we put it beside, we put it beside the table. And for some reason, people think you're famous as soon as you, you put yourself a on a poster. Of yourself, yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, you're on the poster and people will buy it. I'm like, you're amazing. Thank you so much. I know. I'm thinking about getting it even bigger. Even bigger. Yeah. Or we'll do, and so in the first Target we got in, we found out like people are buying this you know, once they kind of see like a picture with it. And so we would go to the frame section and take a frame and we would print out our own picture of Cody and I and use the frame from Target and put it like on the shelves with the food. 
And well, then, and at the time we were on a checkout lane, so there was somebody standing there, like at the <laughs> like a Target employee at like, the it's line. It's okay. The manager yeah. said we could do it, <laughs> which we, we definitely just didn't say ask. anything and hope that they uh, thought it was approved. Yeah. And so then all of the other targets, when we would go, we'd say like the manager at this store. No, thought it was no, a that's great not what happened. I was very careful. What I did say was <laughs> no. we were able to put a picture yeah. near our product at the other Target. Do you care if we do it here? So I was very careful to not to be like say any names or say anybody approved. So we were able to get our picture up and it was really helping product move. Can we do it here as well? I think you guys just unlocked the key to my marketing. I need to walk around the world with like a cardboard cutout of myself. That's it. That's all you need. If you have one of those, you're instantly famous. Oh my gosh. People will say, it's so funny. They'll say like, I've seen that girl before. And I'll say like, really? Like, was she nice? Like, what was it like when you spoke to her? Like, yeah, she was nice. I've seen her somewhere. I don't know. She kind of had an attitude. (laughs) And it's funny because it's me and I'm wearing the exact same outfit. (laughs) Yeah, we wear the same thing pretty much. (laughs) Like, we both wear, like, denim all the time. Like, I'm wearing the same outfit every day. That is hilarious. But isn't it interesting? Isn't that, you know what, that's a really interesting psychological trick, right? Because people instantly think they associate the fact that you are have your face on a poster as a credibility that's what that is it's crazy i saw a video one time it was this guy and he was he was in new york city and he just had a film crew follow him around he was nobody or no you know not anybody that anybody knew but because he had a film crew following around everybody was stopping and asking for his autograph and trying to take pictures with him just because of that so you know it was so when we first started we had a little eight and a half by 11, just like a, a letter sheet of paper. That's what the that picture was. And I printed it out and put it in a frame and it was on the table where we do the demos. So people were already there and we were talking to them and chatting with them before they actually saw the photo. But once they saw the photo and knew it was us in the picture, they would immediately grab a box. So I went on and bought a 24 by 36 photo and put it on the A-frame board. Yeah, And now people see the picture before they see anything else. So immediately it kind of draws them in. You have their attention with that. So that's kind of what started that and what, what has really helped for the demos. You've just really learned as you've gone along, haven't you? Like what works and what doesn't work. And then you just do more of what's working and give up on what's not working. Yeah. And what we really try to do is not invest on anything until we find out that it's working. So not, you know, outside of saying, Hey, we're going to quit and open a pie shop. We (laughs) don't like immediately, (laughs) like we wouldn't invest in a billboard before we invested in a, you know, a magazine ad or something like that. Yeah. You start out small, you check if it works and then you kind of go on from there. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe making that decision to quit your jobs and open a pie shop. Like that was your one big moment. Outside of that. That was the one that took the quota. We're good to go now with crazy decisions. Well, I was going to say, we still take them. And I think that's part of growing a business is you have to make positive moves and you have to take risks to be willing to grow a business. Yeah, for sure. And I think you have to, particularly with marketing and stuff like the photos and whatever, you have to just kind of try it and see what happens. You have to invest. At some point, you have to show up with the money and the effort and kind of go, I'm going to try this, see what happens. Maybe something good, maybe something not good, whatever. But one thing I notice a lot with small business is there comes a question I get pretty often is, how do I know if this marketing is going to pay off? And my answer is always like, well, you don't. (laughs) Until you try it, you've got no idea. Yeah, you never know. And and so for us, I think a lot of it has been what feels right. You know, like opportunities, we are close to Atlanta. So there's a lot of opportunities that'll come up and you'll say like, oh, that'd be cool. We'd love to be on that show. You know, this opportunity came up and then come to find out it's like, oh, well, for you to be on the show, it's going to cost, you know, $10,000 for a 30 second reel. No, and you're like, you. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you're just like, okay, this gets in front of thousands and thousands of people, but then your gut tells you it, it's not, yeah. that's not the right move for us right now. Like mm-hmm. try something else. And so it's just figuring out what you feel comfortable with and then putting it out there, trying it. So, and, and, and I'll, um, I'm sorry. I feel like I keep it. <laughs> it's good. You have all sorts of interesting things to say. Go for it, Cody. <laughs> well, thank you. So I would say second to that, I think what's really cool in the time frame that we live in is we can instantly get feedback on our marketing efforts. So especially through social media, because everything has analytics attached to it. Mm. So versus, you know, doing like a, a show where, I mean, I guess you could get ratings or, you know, but a print magazine, unless you have some sort of code that people are redeeming it, you know, we can put out a Facebook ad and know exactly how many people that's affecting and target the ones that it's affecting well and who's actually engaging on it. So I think we live in a pretty cool time where we can instantly have feedback on what, you know, what our ROI looks like with our As far as online advertising goes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's useful feedback, right? Because mm-hmm. yes, you just know that the numbers don't lie, right? Well, you hope the numbers don't lie. <laughs> I think yeah. our, our direct mail campaign, mm-hmm. so as far as creating something and sending it out through MailChimp is who we use, has been something that I didn't really value at first. And then I started seeing, like, we put buttons in there, like, click here. And then you see people are clicking on it. And that's really cool. And that's been something we've spent a lot of time investing in now, creating content and sending it out to all of our subscribers because we know that they're an engaged captive audience. And so we know that they're going to interact with us in that platform, which is really cool. Added bonus, MailChimp is a local Atlanta company. Yes, there it you is. Go. So there you go. So I know you guys are busy people and I don't want to keep you for too long. So I have two more questions. The first okay. one is what's the hardest part of where you've gotten to now? What's the hardest part of doing all this? Let me spoiler this for you and tell you that the next question is what's the easier part? <laughs> the easiest part. <laughs> so, you know, I'll give you like a two second heads up here. Gotcha. I think the harder part for me I will say this. I think the hardest part for me would be to try to go back to not this. That's kind of like saying what's your greatest weakness and you really don't have one. But (laughs) the harder part, I think once you go from working 40 hours a week to working 70 or 80 hours a week, I think it would be very hard to go back to not doing that. You know, know, I guess fortunately we're still young and we don't really have to worry about that. But going to a job where we weren't doing that or trying to cut back here, I, I know, especially with Lauren, if she's not here, like, 70 hours a week or if she's at home what's going on here is running through her mind or she feels like she should be putting in that time here so we've kind of just grown to like expect that to yeah. work 70 hours a week and it's hard to not it's hard to say okay we're going to stay home on this friday to separate and, yourself and do something at home because when we're at home we feel like we should be putting that time towards either pie or pie provisions because we've just kind of grown to expect to put that much effort in i think the hardest part Yeah, that's a big one is managing kind of your personal expectations, managing the expectations of what you feel like is going on around you. In our situation, we've been very fortunate to expand and grow. And now we've got a, a staff that works here, which is really, really awesome. But I've never had people that have worked with me. I've never been responsible for people's paychecks. And so that was something really overwhelming when I started really thinking about it. I would say the most difficult though has been learning when it's the right time to transition. So learning after that, you know, we thought 
when we first opened, we wouldn't bring on an employee until Thanksgiving. We opened September one. We thought Thanksgiving will bring somebody in and learning after the first week. Like I can't, I can't do this all by myself. My mom has to go home. I need to bring an employee on and then learning again. When do I need to train somebody how to do this and to relinquish control? And then all the way up to the point where I am now, which is learning how to do the business side of stuff. I don't get the opportunity to bake very often anymore. So being comfortable with that and trusting our staff that we've trained them properly and that they're doing the job properly, that's really tough. That's really difficult. And I know, you know, as we continue to grow, more situations like that will probably crop up and just retraining myself and learning how to handle those different situations has been the hardest for me. My favorite expression, Lauren, which I feel like you should tattoo on your forehead is everything is figure outable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And, and I think over the past couple of years, I would say I've, I've matured. I've matured. Yeah, you've, <laughs> so, well, you've probably learned the lesson that everything is And it's out true. Of. It is. It's, you know, if something happened, I would be so upset. There's no way around this. And now I'm able to feel really confident and comfortable saying like, okay, this happened. Let's figure it out. Let's move forward. And that was a really big hurdle for me to jump through or jump over and get over. And I think that's something I'll always work on. I'll say too, when one of us too, because we did, we had a lot of problems to start with. And when one of us would present a problem, it was a really effort to make sure the other one didn't present another problem during that problem. That was, you know, we need to be finding solutions <laughs> to these problems, not more reasons to why, right why it's a problem. So it's like, if you're not going to provide a solution for a feedback, then don't say anything. <laughs> Please stop talking. Please stop talking. Yes. I don't want any more problems. Yes. All right. So what's, you knew this was coming. What's the easiest yes. part? I'll answer it first. Yeah. So the easier part for me is what we expected as we thought business owners were before we got into a business. So what I mean by that is for us outside of owning a business, when we saw other business owners, it was when they were getting to do things we enjoy, like going to community events or helping, you know, being, it looks like you're not working, but you actually are out working when you're doing things within the community or you're kind of networking or doing those events. So the easier part for me or is now we're getting to the ability to do that and we're trying to get involved in our community and our community is very good in putting a lot of events together. We have like a YPAL group here, which is a young professionals group that we get to go and do that kind of stuff. So your easiest part is being so popular. Yeah. My easiest part <laughs> is the coffee and donuts meeting. On, well, that's my easiest, easiest and hardest because it's the 7 a.m. meeting. So. <laughs> I think actually, <laughs> donuts aside, I think what you're yeah. kind of saying is like the easiest part is I've realized I can be, I can be an entrepreneur. I can be a boss and I can step into that position comfortably, right? Like yeah. you said, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm owning the fact that I'm not just the dude who makes the pies. I'm the guy who runs this joint, you know, and that's, that's a pretty well, powerful thing actually. I will say that's also the easiest part is people call me the pie guy, which I'm the farthest thing from <laughs> one that bakes the pies. You know, I, yeah. I have never been the baker. So Lauren kind of like reds up every time somebody <laughs> says that. I think she it hurts her so bad. When we first opened, you know, I would I was the one doing the business side of things. So I got to go out and do that while Lauren was like slaving away in the kitchen. So anytime that, you know, people would call me the pie guy and Lauren's like the one in the back actually baking it, but I'm the one getting the credit for it. I think it would eat her up. Uh, that was a little bit. tough to deal with. I want to change my answer. That was the hardest part. Me get, was Cody me getting, getting the, credit. the glory <laughs> yeah. and me not? Oh. That honestly, uh, that would really, that would really bother me actually. Yeah. So I, I hear you, Lauren. So what's the really part for you? 
this is going to, I like to work. I know that sounds silly and weird, but I don't shy away from that. I've never been one to be like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. So uh, I'll say you haven't done that since we opened here. Right. That's what With it's your old yeah, job. My yeah. old job. Sure. Sure. But the easiest part to me is it, it, I'm going to be here. That makes sense to me, you know? So we're, we're here seven days a week and it's easy for me to go into work every day. It's easy for me to work late or to come in early because I enjoy it. And so I very rarely, I don't want to say never, but I very rarely felt kind of like, oh, this is the worst. This is a drain. I've always felt really excited and really positive about coming in. And so being here is what has been yeah, the It's kind of become a normal, a normal yeah. thing as, you know. Putting in the time. Yeah. That's my easiest. So you're trying to make me look bad by Sorry. making my hard your easy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you guys are hilarious <laughs> you know what i we we all get different things out of it but i do want to say cody that that thing about you know not being the pie guy what you know and being the business guy or whatever that's that's a real thing like i know we're joking about it but i i say to people you know when you've kind of reached that level of maturity when you no longer call yourself a maker you call yourself an owner Right. Because I meet a lot of people in the cake world, women in particular, I'll say, who I'm like, oh, you know, so what do you, and they're like, oh, I make cake. And I'm like, what? That, that, what? No, you own so-and-so. I think we're snobs, Cody, because I definitely. Well, I don't though. You don't? No, oh, I, I, do. usually... I definitely am always like, I own pie bar. No, <laughs> but, I, but I'm happy to hear that. I think that, that's yeah. how it should be. That's what it's meant to be. Because yeah. what you do is not make pie. I mean, I mean right. you guys make pie, but you don't really make pie, you know? Like, you, right. yeah, that's what the business does. Right. That's not what you do. And that's, you know, I, I think it's always great when somebody doesn't say, I make whatever. I never want to hear that, actually. I want to hear you tell me what you own. Whose right. lives well, do you I'm, change? What are you proud of? Whatever. I don't want to hear, I make whatever. Anybody even, can make stuff, you know? Even mm-hmm. now, like, if we're somewhere where we don't know people and they ask what I do, I tell them I sell pie. You sell I pie. I sell pie. Yeah, because I've never made it. I don't ever want to try and take credit for that. But <laughs> I have sold it. Yeah, true, true. Which, you know, the selling's also a, a skill we could all use, right? You yeah. guys Gosh. have been absolutely amazing. I'm so grateful that you reached out and I'm so grateful to you for being honest and being open and telling us the truth about life behind the pie. Yeah. And I really look forward to the day when I walk into my local Target, which is halfway across the world, and we don't do pie here. So I'm looking forward to the day when I walk into my local Target and I'm like, I know those guys. Oh my God, look at that big poster with that big face. Yeah, they're so (laughs) famous. Look at the size of that poster. We're like driving. They're exporting pie mix to Australia. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next for both Pie Bar and Pie Provisions. And I'm very grateful to you both for coming along on the podcast and telling us, yeah, telling us your story and just being ridiculously awesome people and yeah it's been an absolute pleasure thank you guys so much for being on the show today thank you so we're on all of them from here on out right so we'll hear, yeah. we'll hear from you i guess it's something we're gonna do twice a week or you guys are now my co-host it's gonna be the business yeah. taking with michelle lauren and cody that's that's pretty much how it's gonna work from here on in I'm always happy to take on new co-hosts you know but i will expect to be paid project. yeah yeah, yeah that's yes. what we you guys need more stuff to do and i expect to be paid in pie so we're good yeah. perfect yes Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We've enjoyed it.
My pleasure. If you guys want to know more about Lauren and Cody, I will put all their social media and all their website and all that kind of stuff in all the relevant places. So you can follow them. You can eat their pie. You can bake with their pie mix. You can do really all things pie, really. I feel like this should be, this show needs to be a drinking game. And every time we said the word pie, like you take a shot, right? We'd be wasted. (laughs) In like five minutes, we'd be wasted. Thanks everyone for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, maybe go out there and eat things other than cake once in a while. Thanks a lot. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.